Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We talked about the Holy Spirit and we're reintroducing the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this is quite possibly the, the, the most important message that we've had in quite some time. And not that, it's, that there's any message that's not important. And any time that you're bringing the Word of God... Um, it, it's vital to our life. But the reason I say that is we live in such an uncertain time right now. And we have got to have the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, there's so many things that, that even you try to find out information and we're trying to make decisions for our families and we're trying to, to do all these different things and keep things afloat and, and how does work look these days and how does school look and how all these different things are being thrown at us and then to, to compound it we open up um, social media or we look on our, our news um, apps or we, we, we turn on the TV and we see all kinds of different messages. How do we even know what's real? How do we even know what we can believe? But I can believe one thing for sure. I know one thing for certain and that's the word of God is truth for me. I know one thing for certain and that's that God has given me everything that I need on the pages of the Bible for me to be successful in this life. Not only that, but for me to thrive in the thing that he's called me to do. And so how do I hold it together? When things are tough, how do I hold it together? How do I sustain? How do I continue and grow? Well, we're talking about the Holy Spirit's influence in our life and being led by him. Because I believe that if we live from the inside out, then we are going to thrive in this life. Amen? Praise God. See, being a Christian is not just about attaining heaven. Being a Christian is about thriving in this life as well. Being a Christian is about being more than, than just about myself, but reaching out to those around me. Being an influence, being a light, accomplishing something that's bigger than me. And that's what God's called us to do. And so we are reintroducing Holy Spirit. I want to open with prayer today. One of the missions of the Holy Spirit is to be our teacher. And so as we pray today, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you today. See, it's not about what I say. It's about what the Holy Spirit is teaching you through the Scripture today. And so my goal today is to explain the Scripture to you as the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me. And then you take that and the Holy Spirit begins to put it to work in your life and expand it and grow it so that you can act upon it 
and be successful. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that you have brought us together for a purpose that's bigger than us and that there's no one here today that is here by accident, but they are here by divine purpose today. And so, God, I ask you to reveal truth to us through your Holy Spirit. Teach us today what your will is, what your purpose is for us. Encourage us today. Strengthen us today. So, God, I ask that my speaking and my preaching would not be words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and with power, so that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man but it stands in the power of God. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the scripture tells us in John chapter 14, verse 16, and this is a little recap from last week. It says, and I will pray the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another comforter. When he's talking about another comforter, he's saying, I'm going to give you another one the same way that I am. So he is a carbon copy of me. I'm going to give you another comforter that he will abide with you forever. He's the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because they don't see him or they know him. But you know him because he dwells in you and he will be, I'm sorry, he dwells with you and he will be in you. The second thing I want to point out here is in John chapter 12 and verse number 49. And you can jot those down and I know I'm going super quick. It says, for I have not spoken, Jesus is talking again, I'm not spoken on my, <coughs> excuse me, on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. See, Jesus only spoke on this earth what the Father told him to say. And so if the Holy Spirit has come in the same vein as Jesus, he has come to be our guide, he has come to be our comforter, and he is the same way that Jesus was, then the Holy Spirit is saying what the Father has told him to say. And so we not only have a direct line with God, we actually have the Spirit of God residing in us. This is Holy Spirit. He's another one of the same kind. Third thing I want to point out is Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so what do those three things combined mean? It means that the Holy Spirit in us is constantly reminding us of the price that Jesus paid for us because God loved us so much. So every single moment of every single day, on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit, our advocate, is advocating on behalf of the Father to us, saying, no, you don't have to be trapped in that sin. No, you don't have to be lost and hopeless. No, you don't have to be broken. No, you don't have to be in despair, because God is for you. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? You don't have to be lost and broken any longer, because you have an answer and that was provided for you in Jesus and if you're identified with him in his death in his burial and in his resurrection then today you stand as a righteousness of God in Christ amen hallelujah hallelujah I have that on the inside of me 
that resides in me every single day because the Spirit is bearing witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk about two kinds of power that the Holy Spirit brought to us. There's two words in the New Testament that are translated power. Now the first one is the Greek word. I normally don't say the Greek word because I'm probably pronouncing it wrong for one thing, and there's, I'm sure one of you out there or more are going to say, uh, Pastor Jason, you said that all wrong. I'm just saying it right away. I'm saying it wrong, okay? So there you go. It's the Greek word exousia. That's, that's spelled E-X-O-U-S-I-A. Maybe that's how you say it. Maybe it's not. But this is how you, you, you spell it. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. That word means liberty, it means the power of choice, and it means authority. So I want to say that again. It means liberty, it means the power of choice, and it means authority. So when the Holy Spirit came, we talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit came with fire, and that's because we're a charismatic church, right? So uh, we, we talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit came with the fire, and, and, and yes, that's absolutely true. That's the second kind of power. We'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe not a minute, maybe like a, little, a few minutes, right? Um, I got a lot to go. But the word exousia, it means the power of choice. It means authority. It means liberty. And so when we accept Jesus, we receive a ministry of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And that ministry of the Holy Spirit is authority that has been given to us. What is it authority to do? See, Jesus had that power. And Jesus transferred it to us. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I was driving yesterday, I was driving home from Lubbock yesterday morning, and I was, I was praying, and I was, um, I, I was just going over in my thoughts and in my spirit this message, and I realized that as I was, I was reading this verse and, and thinking on this verse, that there were some things that I needed to bind and to loose. And so I spent about 15 or 20 minutes driving, just binding the attack of the enemy in some areas in my life, and then loosing the power of God. And I can tell you this, that in a moment's time, that my, my countenance began to change. There was like a relief because I was exercising the authority that Jesus has given me. He said, I give you the keys. I give you the keys of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many are glad that we can talk how many are to God about the things that we struggle with? And if we can talk to God about the things that we're struggling with, He not only hears us, but He answers us. He has given us the authority to do those things. And so we need to begin to speak to the things that are going on and the struggles that we're having in our life because He has given us that authority through the Holy Spirit. What do you have the power to do? 
Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Now, this is talking to every single person who's a Christian. So if you've accepted Jesus and you're in this room today or you're watching on the other side of that camera, then I'm telling you today that this may come as a shock to you, but you have this authority given to you by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It says, And he ordained the twelve, and that's because those are the ones that were right in front of him. He ordained his disciples. Jesus said that if you know the truth, then you're his disciples. So I'm a disciple. Are you a disciple of Jesus today? Amen? He ordained the twelve, he ordained the disciples that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Did you know that you've been given the power by Jesus to preach? Now that may or may not mean that you're standing up on a stage in front of people doing what I'm doing right now. It may mean that and it may not. But what it may mean is that you're a carrier of good news in your workplace. You're a carrier of good news whenever you go to your kids' sports practices and, and their games. Maybe you're a carrier uh, of good news to your family. You're a carrier of the message of Jesus. You have been ordained by God to preach. You've been given that power. Now look at this. He says he called, Matthew 10, verse 1, he called his 12 disciples and he gave them power Exousia power, authority, freedom. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. You've been given the power to pray for people that are sick. Did you know that? See, it's not just a, a church thing. It's not just a thing that, that we do when we say everybody come forward that's, that's having an issue in their life and we lay hands on people and sometimes we do that and, and sometimes we do it in different ways. But every single one of you have been given that same authority through the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to people that are hurting and that are struggling, to minister healing. It's the healing power of God. It's not about you anyway. That takes all the pressure off. Once I realized when I was super young in ministry, once I realized that it didn't have anything to do with me anyway, then it took a lot of pressure off because it really doesn't matter. I'm just a vessel. I just say what God tells me to say. I just do what God tells me to do, and then he's got to take care of the rest. And so I trust God. God, you take care of this. I'm going to do it, and you take care of it. So when I pray for people, it's not about me. It's about him. When you pray for people, it's not about you. It's not about your mess. It's not about your brokenness. It's not about your hurt. I'm going to show you here in a minute that when we will take the time to minister out of the center of our hurt, then not only does healing come to the person that you're ministering to, but it comes to you too. Amen? <coughs> Praise God. Hey, Albert, can you grab me a water, please? Thank you, sir. Amen. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19, these are the things that God has given the, us the authority to do through the Holy Spirit. It says, Behold, I give you the authority, the exousia power. It's the same word. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. 
and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you the power to trample on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions. I give you this power to do these things. So maybe that's great because maybe you're not a snake person. I know some people that are all about it. They, they have reptiles in their house, and maybe you're like, I don't think he's just talking about, like, physical snakes. Thank you. Maybe you're not a scorpion person. We were in Florida a few weeks ago, and um, we went to, uh, we did an Everglades tour. And in the little demonstration that they had, they had a scorpion that you would touch. I'm telling you what, no way. Don't get that thing near me at all. Jesus said I can trample on that thing. I don't think he was talking about physical scorpions. <clears throat> but, uh, but my mom kissed an alligator. So, and there's a picture and a video. And uh, you should see it sometime because it will brighten your life. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus gave us the authority, the word, um, or, or where he says serpents there and where he says scorpions. Serpents are talking about thoughts that will try to deceive you. What was the serpent in the garden? Deception, manipulation, right? Sometimes thoughts come in and they try to deceive us. Things like, you're not good enough for this calling. Things like, you'll never accomplish it. Things like, your past was too bad and you can't move forward in the things that God has for you. Those are all just lies of the enemy, but Jesus gave you authority through the Holy Spirit to trample on those thoughts, to take out those thoughts that come against your life. Scorpions, it's talking about ideas and heaviness that will try to pierce you. See, we've been given authority to overcome that gripping fear in our life. We've been given authority to overcome addictions in our life. We've been given this through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We've been given authority. So then the second kind of power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. This is a different word for power. This is not exousia. This is the, the word dunamis. It's the word dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Dunamis. I'm pretty confident about my pronunciation of that one, but you know what? I may be wrong. I don't know. This is the power to dramatically change the world around you. And I like to give this example. Fourth of July is coming up, right? A couple months. When, when you go and you, and you have a fireworks display, maybe you're holding, I remember... Uh, we've sold fireworks in the past for fundraisers and things like that. And, and they, have this, uh, they have this black cat. Elijah, how many are in that black cat wheel, that huge one? Yeah. 15,000 black cats in this big wheel of, uh, of just awesome firepower, right? So if you hand somebody that and a box of matches... You've just given them exousia power. You've given them liberty, freedom. You've given them authority. You can do whatever you want with this. I'm going to supply you with everything you need, 
to make a big impact, it's your choice what you do with it. Right? What are most of us going to do with it? And we're going to light that thing. And not one at a time. We're going to light it all at once because I just want to know what it'll do. It was one of the easiest sells because you get some cocky dude that comes in there trying to impress his lady, and you're like, you know what, it really impress her. You set that whole thing off. I'm telling you what, right? Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. <laughs> Exousia power. I'm giving you power right here. But let's talk about dunamis power. What happens if I take that firework and I light it? I can't throw this thing. It's big. But what if I take that or maybe dynamite or something like that? I take this and I light it and I throw it at you. I wait till the fuse gets like down and then I throw it at you. Your world's about to change, right? Real quick, your world's about to change. Dunamis power that we've been given through the Holy Spirit <coughs> is to impact the world around us. See, exousia power was given to us as authority in our life to control the things, to give God control, to be able to overcome the attack of the enemy, to be able to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Dunamis power was given to us for us to go out and to impact the world. And that was given on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. And the Bible says that there were tongues that looked like fire and they rested on every person. And right after that moment, they went outside and they began to preach. And when they began to preach, they preached with the fire of God. And thousands and thousands of souls, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, came to Jesus. They went a couple days later into the temple. Peter and John did. And they passed a man that had been lame since birth. And the guy asked for, for money. And he said, Peter said, silver and gold, I, I don't have any of that. But what I have, I'm going to give you. Get up and walk. Take up your bed and walk. When people saw that, they began to flock. See, that guy's life changed because of dunamis power that was working in Peter and John's life. And that guy's life changed at that moment. And then what happened? People began to see it, and they began to flock. 2,000 more people came to Christ that day. And then the rest of the New Testament is about people going out into the world full of the Holy Spirit. There was a man named Stephen who the Bible says was full of dunamis power. And he performed great signs and wonders among the people. And then Stephen, he was arrested and he was stoned to death because of his belief in, in Christ. But before he was stoned, they asked him if he wanted to say anything. And that was probably the worst mistake that they could have made because that guy preached a message that day. We don't have any recording of how many people came to Jesus, but I guarantee you that there was a large amount of people that called on Jesus. And we know one because there was a guy in the crowd named Simon who, uh, I'm sorry, there was a guy in the crowd named Saul who later, his name was changed to Paul. And he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. 
and he flipped the world upside down for Jesus. But it was because Stephen preached the gospel and Saul heard it and he called on the name of Jesus and the world was changed. The world was changed. Dunamis power, exousia power. I want to give you an example today. I'm going to do the famous, um, the famous line that, that preachers say all the time in closing, but I've probably got 20, 30 minutes left. But it's my last point. I believe this, that, that as we're kind of seeing COVID slow down, I know that Eddie County went back to yellow this week. We have been turquoise and now we're yellow we were super excited the first time we saw yellow we're less excited this time when we saw yellow right I got rid of all the yellow things in my house don't want to see it anymore but as we're kind of coming out of of COVID and things are beginning to open up and and we're having some sense of normality we've had a year and a half over a year where things have just been weird. I know that in New Mexico, churches are allowed to open 100% as of this weekend. I never thought that that would be a thing we're talking about in the United States of America. We do a lot of things in other countries, and, and there's crazy stuff that happened there. But I never thought in the United States that that would be a discussion. Are we allowed to do this or allowed to do that. And this isn't a, a political statement, and I'm, I'm certainly not you know, trying to be partisan on this thing. But I think that what, one thing that we've realized is we've taken for granted a whole lot of stuff. And as we come out of this, I know that there are many, many people that you feel like you've been in a little bit of a drought. You know, one thing that happens in drought is you're thirsty. God spoke to me very early on. And he said, I'm turning this virus into revival. Just watch. Just watch. And so here's what I thought. I thought we're going to be closed down for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden we're going to open up, and the churches across America are going to be more full than they've ever been, busting at the seams. It didn't happen that way. And when we were able to open up and we see, you know, they're, they're, it, it's just so, it, it's so strange. And what's the right decision? And, and do, you, do you go or do you not go? And what, what's safe and what's not safe? And I, I've said this before, and I don't believe there's a right answer or a wrong answer. The answer is whatever you need to do for your family. Whatever God is leading you to do. And, and I can't say what God's leading you to do. I'm not qualified for that. He doesn't tell me. It's none of my business. But you need to be obedient to whatever he says. That I feel like because of all this, I'm being tossed back and forth, and we just don't know that there's a lot of spiritual drought that's going on in our churches, in our country, and in our world. Our... Um, our friends that we support in Guatemala, John and Tracy Batchelor, they're still in limbo of whether or not they can have church. They can't have in-person church. They haven't had in-person church in a year. 
it's tough. In Guatemala City and, and our sister church there in Guatemala City, haven't had in-person church in over a year. Churches in the Philippines, in some places, they're able to have small gatherings, and, but most places, they're not, they're not doing that. These are churches that we work with every single day. There's a spiritual drought, not only in Carlsbad, not only in our nation, but in the world. And so how do we deal with this time of drought? As I was praying on this and studying on this, God took me to this example through the prophet Elijah. First Kings, we're going to start in chapter 17. I encourage you to read this week. If you're not on some kind of a Bible reading plan or something like that, um, and even if you are, I encourage you to read 1 Kings 17 and 18 because I think it really parallels what's going on in, in our society right now, but there's a strong, strong parallel to the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Well, we're going to hit some highlights today. 1 Kings chapter 17, and I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, and this is the New King James Version. There's going to be quite a bit of scripture here, so if you want to follow along on your phone or stone tablet or whatever you brought in today as your Bible. Um, then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So this is in a time where God had spoken to Elijah, and he said there's a drought that's going to come on the land. So I want you to prepare. And so Elijah went, he told the kings, and he, he told the people that, that were in charge, he said, there's going to be a drought here, we, we need to get ready, we need to prepare. And so in the middle of this drought, God spoke to Elijah, and he said, I want you to go to Zarephath. So if we look at the word Zarephath, that means a place of purging. And so the first thing that I grabbed out of this passage is that sometimes to come out of our drought, we need to get rid of some of the wrong thinking. We need to purge ourselves. Sometimes in a drought, we've gotten into some bad habits. And I believe that during this time um, that things have just been up in the air, we've gotten into some bad habits. And so if we want to see that turn around in our life, we've got to adjust our thinking. We've got to come out of that place of drought. And to do that, sometimes we need to purge some stuff. So he told Elijah, this is the prophet of God, I need you to go to Zarephath or a place of purging. And he says, I want you to dwell there. In other words, you're not just passing through. I want you to hang out there until I tell you to leave. You're going to dwell there. You're going to set up home there. Yeah, maybe it'd be a temporary place for you, but you've got some stuff you need to take care of. So go to Zarephath, get yourself right, and then you can go on. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. That's very important because this tells me that what he did was he was obedient to what God told him to do. Because a lot of times God tells us to go and do something because it's going to be better for us, but maybe it's not the thing we wanted to hear, and so we don't do it. Right? Or maybe it's not on the top of our priority list. 
Maybe it's not really what we wanted to do. Maybe it doesn't make sense to us. Why do I need to do that? Why do I need to go there? Elijah was obedient. And he went to Zarephath. When he came to the gates of the city, indeed a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and he said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour. And another translation says meal. It makes a little more sense later. I only have a, tr- a, a little bit of flour and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and we may die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterwards, make yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour will not be used up or the jar of oil run dry until the day that the Lord sends the rain. See, the best thing for them was not every day to just have a little more flour and a little more oil. The best thing for them was the rain. But until the rain comes, sometimes we've got to get ourselves right. And so you use the time of the drought to get yourself right while the Holy Spirit is working on you, while you're getting yourself in position, and you're using the time of the drought. And during that time, God sustains. God sustains. He doesn't just leave you out there on an island by yourself. He sustains. And so Elijah went to this woman Elijah is there for a time of purging to get himself right. And he goes to this woman who is struggling. God knew that. God knew that she was struggling. I would guess that she had prayed to God for an answer. But she didn't have one. There was no hope. And I'm going to go and I'm going to make one more cake. And that's all we got. I'm going to make one more. And then me and my son, we're going to die. We don't, we don't have any other way. And Elijah says, no, because I have a way. No, because my God has a way. My God has a way. See, when we're in this time of purging, that word flour or meal or wheat, it's talking about physical sustenance to sustain us in the things of this life. And then as we talked about last week, oil is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe that while we're in this time, And maybe you feel like you've been in a drought. God is sustaining you both physically and spiritually. And I don't want you to let that run dry. Because as God continues to sustain you physically and spiritually until the rain comes. Because the rain is coming. Say the rain is coming. coming. He's sustaining you until the rain is coming. And the rain will come. And he was very confident in that. I'm going to sustain you, and there's always going to be enough. It's not going to run dry. There's always going to be enough until the rain comes, because the rain is coming. I believe the rain is coming. Rain represents revival. 
Rain represents the blessings of God being poured out in abundance. See, that word rain is not talking about a drizzle. It's talking about the rain that we have here in Carlsbad, New Mexico, where it doesn't rain and 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 and then it's the 4th of July and it doesn't rain until you've set up all your stuff outside and all your family is there and it's still not raining and there's not a cloud in the sky until you are ready and then all of a sudden the sky is black and there is more water coming down than there is on you in the shower. There is so much rain. That's the kind of rain we're talking about. I remember we were doing a youth event. It was a long time ago. And I was standing out in front here, and this was in September. I was standing out in front with a, a youth pastor friend of mine at that time. And rain was in the forecast, and we had bounce houses and all kinds of stuff rented, right? So the bounce house guy's coming in from Midland, and he's like, the sky looks bad over here, man. If, if you call it off now, I won't charge you. But if I get there, I'm going to have to charge you. I get it. I get it, Ricky. All right. So we get off the phone. And I looked at my friend and I said, what do you think? He looks up in the sky and he goes, I don't even see any clouds. This is not going to rain. I said, no, it's not going to rain. It's going to be fine. It's not going to rain. Ricky, come on, man. It's not going to rain. I promise you, Ricky pulls up, pulls those inflatables out of the back of the truck, Oh, my gosh, I have never been so wet in my life. Then we decided to move all of that stuff inside the gym at First Baptist Church. And uh, so if you take wet, inflatable games and about 500 or so students with wet socks and clothes, and that was the nastiest. Jasmine, you were there. Ooh, I still can't get that. Every time I talk about it, I can smell it. Oh. No, it was like I was wafting. I was wafting. Yeah. Oh, it was bad, y'all. It rains. It can rain. The rain is coming. It says, so Elijah told her, do not fear. Make me a small cake first. And bring it to me, and afterwards make one for you and your son. For the Lord your God will not let the bin of flour be used up or the jar of oil run dry until it rains. And so she went away, she did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, and the jar of oil did not run dry according to the word word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. I think that's so amazing because she was obedient and she reaped the benefit, even though it didn't make sense. Not only that, Elijah was in a place where he needed to go and get his thinking right, but he was able to minister to this lady and to meet her needs through the power of God. Now, Elijah was released from that place And if we go on down and we begin to read later on in that same chapter, Elijah was released from that place and he went out and began to just keep doing what he had always done. That tells me that God sent him there 
to purge, to get right, to adjust his thinking. And he did while he was there. And he was able to go out and be effective for Jesus. But while he was there getting right, he was still meeting needs by the power of God. See, I believe that was vital to his healing. Because the Holy Spirit's moving on Elijah allowed him to go out and to still accomplish his mission while he was getting right. The message to us in that is this. Don't let your current circumstances, even though they may not be 100, stop you from being obedient to what God's called you to do. Because he still called you. You still have a purpose. He is still faithful every single time. Getting out of the drought, purge yourself of the old thinking. Combine your physical and his supernatural, the meal and the oil, and be obedient to God. And then in 1 Kings 17, chapter, chapter 17, verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones. This is after he had said, we're going to come together and we're going to pray for rain. And the prophets of Baal, the idol, they came up and they said, well, our God can do it. And Elijah said, well, I don't think so, but my God can do it. And so they have this show off, right? Prophets of Baal build this altar and they cry out to Baal and they dance around and they cut themselves and all kinds of stuff and nothing happens. And Elijah says, all right, it's my turn. He took 12 stones according to the tribe's of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be his name. The first thing Elijah did as he's calling out for the reign of the blessing of God is he built it on his lineage, the good and the bad. The 12 stones from the 12 tribes of Jacob, as Pastor talked about a few weeks ago, on those 12 sons, Ten of them were sons of law, and two of them were sons of grace. And so as we look at it, Elijah built this altar on the good and the bad. He built it on everything. This is my lineage and everything that comes with it. We talked last week about the oil flowing into the vessels and that we need to hold nothing back and allow the Holy Spirit's influence in every single part of our life. No walls, no barriers, nothing that we're putting up to stand in between. We need to fill ourselves completely up. Elijah said, we're going to take it all, the good and the bad. I've got some stuff in my past that I'm not very proud of, but I'm putting it right here. I've got some triumphs in my past that I'm extremely proud of, but I'm putting them in the same pile. Because at the end of the day, I stand here because of the grace of God. And so the good and the bad, they all go together. Because I know that I stand here because of his goodness. And so he built an altar on his lineage, representing his entire family. What if you put your entire family in there? Even those that you don't really talk to that much. Even those that are a little crazy, right? You put them all in there and say, this is what made me. I mean, if you wonder why I am the way I am, this is what made me. I'm putting it all together. I put it right here, the good and the bad. 
the sons of law, the sons of grace. And I'm going to build on it, his lineage. And then with the stones, he builds an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. He created an atmosphere for salvation. And I'll show you that. He created an atmosphere for salvation by digging a trench. Because what he did next was he put wood on the altar in order. These are the things that I've made myself. This is my human nature that I'm, that I'm putting here on the altar. The things of wood. Wood fuels fire, right? Wood fuels fire? It's important. Wood fuels fire. He put on the altar wood, and he cut the bull in pieces. One symbolism of bull in the scripture is an idol. Paul said that what the blood of bulls and goats could not do, Jesus did. So at best, it's an inferior sacrifice that I'm placing on the altar here. He cut up the bull. He placed it on the altar, on top of the wood, on top of his lineage. And then he said, fill up four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice. See, the water represents the new birth. It represents our salvation. And when Elijah created the trench around the altar, he was creating an atmosphere for salvation. He was creating an atmosphere for the work of the Holy Spirit in his life that he receives among new birth. He's saying, pour that water and it's going to reside in the trench. I'm going to pour that water over the inferior sacrifice. I'm going to pour that water over the wood and the things that I have built myself and my human nature. And I'm going to pour that wood over all my past and all my family's past and all the things that have been done and passed on to me from generation to generation to generation and I'm creating an atmosphere for what God wants to do in my life. And so he poured that water on and then he said, no, I want you to do it again. Four pots of water, pour it again. And so they poured it again and he said one more time. Why did he do it three times? I believe that he was baptizing that stuff in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit because he was saying this is not going to be a part of me anymore because soon fire is going to come. Soon fire is going to come. He created an atmosphere for the things of God. And so the water ran all on the altar and it filled the trench with water and it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening of the sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said this, Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. And so hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that this people may know that you are Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And when he said that, what happened? Look, the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the sacrifice. 
See, the fire of the Lord fell. This is the power of God that fell in that place. Elijah had prepared himself. He had came out of the time of drought. He had changed his thinking. He was patient. He was obedient to God. He built an altar based on his past, based on the things that he had made himself, based on the best that he could offer. He built a sacrifice, and then he poured water over it and said, I'm creating an atmosphere for the things of God, and so God, it's not about me. God, it's 100% about you, and I am asking you today to rain down fire, and as Hebrews tells us, our God is a consuming fire. So when that fire fell from heaven, it consumed the sacrifice, and it consumed the wood, and it consumed the stones, and it consumed the dust, and it consumed the water. There was nothing left because when the Holy Spirit falls in your life, those things that you've tried to use to sacrifice to God. God, if you just get me out of this mess, I'm going to do this for you. God, I'll never miss another day of church. Even if they're not having church, I'll go sit outside the church. Just get me out of this. I'll make a sacrifice. I'll make a sacrifice. God, you can have my kid. No, I'm kidding. God, I'll sacrifice. God, I'll do whatever. I'm going to read my Bible. There's 24 hours in the day, 20 hours, and I'll sleep for four. And I'll put on worship music while I sleep. Just get me out of this mess. Those things that we try to sacrifice that we think sometimes matter to God. He sacrificed. And the fire came down and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the things that he tried and tried and tried to do for himself. It burned up the times that you thought you were going to get that promotion at work if you just worked harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. But in the meantime, you lost focus of your family, and so in gaining, you lost. Those things that we tried to make ourselves, those things that we tried to do, the crowns that we made for ourselves, burn those things up. But the thing is that every time you throw another one of those on the fire, fuels the fire. Because wood fuels the fire. I'm going to throw the things that I think I am. I'm going to throw the ladder of success. I'm going to throw the relationship that I think I built on my own. I'm going to throw it on the fire. And it's going to just fuel the fire, and it's going to be consumed. It says it burned the sacrifice. It said it burned the stones. The past, the lineage, those generational curses that were passed down. I'm here to tell you today that the fire of the Holy Spirit has fallen, and today you don't have a generational curse because your lineage is consumed. Amen? Your lineage is gone. And today you stand as the righteousness of God. See, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Today I stand as a child of God. 
And yeah, everybody in my, in my family has been an alcoholic, but I'm not an alcoholic because that lineage was not passed down to me. Yeah, my, my dad may have abused my mom, but I do not have to be that. because Maybe I have a history of addiction. Maybe I have a history of depression. Maybe I have a history of mental illness or, or cancer or fill in the blank. But those things are not passed down to me because my lineage has been consumed. And now I stand with the lineage of God. And it consumed the stones and it consumed the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Do you think God won in that? I think God won in that situation. Not only did he show off, but it says that all people were gathered around because Elijah gave him glory. And they said, the Lord, he is God. What did Elijah pray? That all may know that you are God. And all knew. So you need fire to create an environment for rain. You need fire to create an environment for the rain. It says that Elijah, after that, the Lord sent him to go and talk to the king, and he said, King, rain's coming. King, rain's coming. You better go and watch because rain's coming. And it says here that Ahab, he sent his servant out to look out into the sea to look for rain. The servant went out, and he looked, and he came back. He said, sir, I don't know what that guy's talking about. There's no rain clouds. There's nothing. He said, go look again. So he goes, and he looks again. He comes back. He says, there's nothing. He says, go look again. And he went back and forth six times. Just like the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, Six times and nothing happened. Just like Naaman washed in the Jordan River to cleanse his leprosy six times, but nothing happened. And so he goes back the sixth time and he says, King, I've been back and forth and back and forth and nothing's happened. He said, go look again. And on the seventh time, he went out, and he looked out over the sea. Just like when the children of Israel walked around Jericho that seventh time, and the walls began to crack, just like Naaman, who washed in the Jordan River seven times, and his leprosy was cleansed, because seven is completion, because seven is perfection, because seven is commitment to obedience. He goes the seventh time, and he looks out over the sea, and he sees a cloud beginning to form. Guys, that's where we're at right now. Right now in history, there's a cloud that's beginning to form. 
And that cloud is beginning to grow in intensity and it's getting darker because that cloud carries the rain. It carries the blessing. It carries the power of the Holy Spirit that is raining down, not only on me. This isn't a a Charlie Brown scenario where it only rains on me and it doesn't rain on you. See, I believe that the power of God is coming into our city, into our nation, into our world, and the rain is here. The cloud is forming and the rain is coming. Go and look because the rain is coming. And once the fire falls, then the rain comes as we continue this series. We're talking about what the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do. This is what the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do. And it's leading up to Pentecost Sunday. And on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were released into the world. And so on Pentecost Sunday, four weeks from now, we're going to reintroduce you to the world. Because we've taken time reintroducing you to God. We've taken time reintroducing you to relationships. We've taken time this year to reintroduce who our Heavenly Father is and who we were called to be. We've reintroduced the cross and we've reintroduced the resurrection and now we're reintroducing the Holy Spirit because God has called us not just to these walls. He's called us not just to the the parameters of the church, but if what we're doing in here is not spilling out into the streets, then it's too small. We're called out there. And so we're reintroducing you to the world. And then this summer, this is like spoiler alert, right? This summer, Word of Life is going all in on our community. This summer. We're going to have details in a couple weeks. We are going all in. We're still working some things out. All in on our community. Because we need to reintroduce God not only to you, but we need to reintroduce God out there. Because there's a bad view of our God. And it's time we correct his reputation. I'm calling on the rain. I'm calling on the rain. See, the time of drought is over. And I'm calling on the rain to rain the blessings, to rain the Spirit of God, to rain His healing down, to rain the power. Calling on the rain. Hallelujah. Well, if you're in here today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you've been in a drought. But I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus. He's everything. He gave himself for me and for you. See, the the problem that we have is is really a, a sin problem. The Bible tells us that every one of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. Every one of us. We're all in the same boat. It also says that the price that had to be paid for that sin is death. But the scripture says 
that the gift that God gave us in Jesus is eternal life. See, some would ask, well, how could a God who loves you so much send people to hell? See, the thing is, God's not sending anybody to hell. God's given you a way out. He's telling you, all you got to do is take the gift that I gave you and and you get out of hell. See, it's your sin that's, that's taking you to hell. And so God provided payment for that sin. All you got to do is receive the gift. You can say, well, Pastor Jason, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. And I'm going to ask you to pray it after me. And if you've never said it before, but you're saying it and you believe it in your heart. You know, I've said it that way for years and the Lord just corrected me. Because I believe there's somebody maybe here in the room or watching online that you've said the prayer before, but but you just said it because you were pressured. You didn't really mean it. And you thought maybe you're excluded. No, you're not excluded at all. So if you pray this prayer with me and you mean it, The Bible says that you're a child of God. And so I'm going to pray this prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody that's in here to pray it with us. See, this is a you and God moment, but I want you to know that you're not alone in it. We're family. No one prays alone. So whether you're watching online or you're here in the room with us, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with our friends that maybe haven't. So say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life because I can't do it alone. And I need you. Jesus, I thank you for loving me for not giving up on me. I thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love 